The Echo Chamber, brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. And sponsored by March Communications, connecting innovation and people. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Echo Chamber. Um, we're joined today by Chris Owen, who's a director at MNC Saatchi PR. Uh, Chris, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. We, uh, we, we're going to have a chat today uh, about mental health in the public relations industry. This is, uh, of course, Mental Health Awareness Week in the UK. Um, and you're someone who has some insight into this area. So I wondered perhaps if you could just, if we could start off maybe by just, if you can talk us through your, I guess your career in PR for people that, that maybe don't know you that well. Yeah, sure. So um, I've been in PR for about 13 years now. I guess I'm, uh, I'm a teenager in that respect. Um, and uh, prior to that, uh, I kind of ran record shops. I worked for a music festival. Mm. Um, and then my mum kind of wanted me to get a grown-up job. So um, I landed in PR, uh, always been in the kind of technology space and um, kind of B2B uh, and always been agency side, mm -hmm. um, both um, kind of big global agencies uh, as well as a couple of smaller ones. Yeah. So you, you've, you've been in a, in a few places. Yeah. And I'm sure you have a few stories. But that's <laughs> not what we're here for. <laughs> um, so mental health is an issue that is becoming increasingly um, prominent I think across society mm -hmm. or at least people are much more comfortable discussing it which is um, which is very encouraging uh, within the public relations industry in particular though um, do you feel like it is an issue that has been discussed enough I think it's an issue that is being discussed more mm -hmm. um, whether it's discussed enough I guess it, it, it depends on whether it's it's discussed and acted upon, I think, mm. is, is, is probably the um, the challenge. I think it's becoming something that a lot more people are talking about and, and looking to create policies around and trying to get people to, to open up and to be honest about uh, mental health problems in the same way that they do with general health problems. So I think the, the discussion is increasing. Um, I think the biggest challenge is, is in kind of transposing that into actual action and making sure people feel comfortable saying they've got a problem because I think that, that that's still not something that's completely solved or resolved yet. Sure. The uh the PRCA has been um has been has been fairly active in, in, in recent months, I think, uh, in, in fact recent years in um in trying to promote awareness mm -hmm. of mental uh, ill health issues in the public relations industry. There's a, a survey uh, out today, actually, um, from PRCA NPR Week, um, which found finds that fifty nine percent of PR and communications practitioners have suffered from from mental ill health. Um, factors that are reported uh, included anxiety, depression, and stress. Fifty percent of of employees said they felt under more stress currently than twelve months ago. Um, how do you uh, view those numbers? Do they surprise you or do they kind of chime with your own experience of the agency industry? I think it, 
fifty nine percent is quite high. Mm. Um, I, I think the kind of the, the general statistics are that one in four of us uh, among the public will experience some form of mental health problem at some point in our life. Mm. So, I guess against that, twenty five percent to fifty nine does seem quite high. But I think the industry that we work in is uh, inherently quite a high pressure environment. I think it it's one that doesn't necessarily foster good mental health. There's a lot of stresses that come in. It's very competitive. Um, it's very, very demanding, especially agency side where you have uh, short deadlines, you have um, clients asking uh, day in, day out for you to, to deliver. Um, and it's it's not necessarily the, the most uh, comfortable area to perhaps put your hand up and say, I'm, I'm not sure I can cope with today. Today's, today's a bit difficult. There's a bit of a kind of head down mentality, you know, just just buckle up and go, yeah. and and I think that, that that is what's perhaps fostering this this much higher level, this fifty nine percent against the one in four, this this fifty nine percent of people that have suffered some form of mental health. I think is perhaps reflective of the the pressures of the industry, yeah. um, and and if you know if that is reflective that that you know six out of ten people in the industry feel that they have a mental health issue, then that, that should be a massive wake-up call um, because it's it's so far removed from the national average. Yeah. And so you think you think um, the situation with the indus- within the industry doesn't necessarily lend itself to good mental health. Um, there's, there are obviously, as you mentioned, there's, there's a lot of pressure associated with mm. these jobs. There's a premium put on getting things done and, and not, I guess, being perceived to, com- to complain yeah. uh, about things. Um, would you be comfortable discussing the, the issues that you personally faced? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, I think the uh, it, it's it's probably worth mentioning at this point as well that, that, that a lot of my mental health issues were wrapped up in um, my issues with addiction as well, that they kind of, right. um, uh, kind of wove into each other. So I, I, I had a problem with alcohol for my, the whole of my 20s, um, which uh, certainly moving into uh, public relations, uh, it's you know it's quite a good industry to hide a drinking problem, <laughs> yeah. with uh, with the networking um, that, that that you can do. But it a lot of the the drinking was to try and calm the stress, the anxiety, and the depression. And and, and I think obviously that's not the right solution. It absolutely um, doesn't help resolve it. All it does is take it away ever so slightly for a moment, and then it returns worse the next day. So you know the addiction element. Um, of, of my experience, I think, is is what led me to uh, having some time off work, um, being put on medication for uh, a combination of stress, anxiety and, and severe depression all at the same time. Um, it, it came at a point in my career where I was, um, I guess, kind of nudging between uh, senior account manager, kind of account director type level. Okay. Um, I'd gone from one agency where I'd been for about about a year, at probably the peak of my ill health. But I just, you know, I, in my mind, I was still quite fresh there. You know, I'd been there a few months. I didn't want to put my job in jeopardy by saying, "I'm I'm really struggling. I'm going home every night and drinking three bottles of wine to get myself to sleep," because I didn't want them to kind of, you know, your your brain doesn't think straight when you've got mental health issues. 
Mm. Um, and the immediate thought is if I go to HR or my line manager or my, you know, my MD and I say, this is what I do every evening, that I'll be phased out. And, and sure. that, that that kind of pressure doesn't, doesn't help. So it, it, it came to a head after I left that agency, um, joined uh, a very large um, global agency, which I'm you know, very proud to work for, but, but, but it's, it's a very competitive landscape there. Um, and you kind of join and you immediately see so many other big characters and people who are so good at their job that the, the anxiety part of you, the depressive, the manic depressive within you just tells you that you're not as good as them. Um, and it's, it's just an exhausting way to try and get through your day, um, doing as good as you possibly can, whilst also kind of spending 10% of your time looking left and right and thinking, God, they're doing it better than me. Or, you know, I, I wish I was as fast as them or I wish I was as good a writer. I wish I was clever as them. And, and, and you start to look at everything that, that you think you don't have that everyone else has. And you collect that together and think that you have nothing. You know, that's, that's the, the kind of manic depressive. You take the negative from... Or you take the positive of everyone else and you turn it into a negative for you. Um, so it, it, that was kind of one of the, the triggers. Um, and I don't think it's, you know, uh, the fault of the agency it, it, at all. And they were very helpful with my um, eventual rehabilitation. Um, but it was, it was, that was the kind of tipping point when I think uh, a perfect storm of the three illnesses being diagnosed, my just having joined the agency while still being in probation, uh, and me thinking this is it, I've, you know, I've lost my job. Yeah. Um, which I hadn't. They they just put me, um, uh, uh, you know, they they just signed me off sick, which which, which is great. But the first um, the first thought is I've lost my job. I'll lose my flat. I'll have to move out of London. I'll have to move back home with my parents. I'll have to get a job doing data entry in a bank. Uh, I'll never buy a house. I'll never get married. Y- y- your brain flies off on a tangent. Yeah. Um, so the the um, the the. That was the kind of the the pinnacle, I guess. If it was, well, I guess an idea. Yeah, it's yeah. probably a better way of putting it. Um, of of my um, mental health, and then uh, a mental health, and then I I went through some. Uh, I spent about a year as a, an outpatient at the Soho Clinic um, for alcohol addiction, which wasn't right for me, yeah. um, uh, uh, and didn't didn't work it didn't stop the underlying issue with with my mental health which was the addiction um but eventually i i am i um i was lucky enough to be in a position where i went into uh, rehab in 2010 um and just spent a month um in um a, a, a west london clinic where i was told for the first time that i wasn't bad I, I was told that I was unwell, yeah. uh, and 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 it was you're not a bad person trying to be good, you're a sick person trying to get well and get and stay well, and that was such a relief after ten years, ten exhausting years of thinking, I can't, I'm a bad person, I can't deal with life, um, I can't deal with my job, I'm not as good as them, someone who just puts their arm around and goes, you'll be all right, there's light at the end of the tunnel, um, is is, yeah, it's. Um, it makes your shoulders kind of go up for the first time in years. And you've been sober ever since? Yeah, yeah, uh, seven and a half years or so now. So, yeah, very proud of it. Yeah, as you should be. Um, 
there's a lot there's a lot to unpick there i think in terms of of of, uh, of issues that i think we we should discuss and in fact um you know for people listening we are going to also uh, publish some resources and so forth that, that may help anyone who feels that they they need help after, after listening to this um let's start with uh, the support or otherwise that you received um, within the industry did you feel that uh, that it was stigmatized and that, that there wasn't enough support for um mental ill health as as a rule within public relations industry uh, uh... I guess I'll I'll say this with the caveat that I'm very grateful for the company I work with when they, with the support they gave me when I um, eventually got well. Although there were, you know, some issues there where I felt I was slightly stigmatised, and that once alcohol was seen as the cause, uh, I I wasn't allowed um, to be around any alcohol events. Right. And given this is an industry that regularly throws its own parties and networking yeah. with journalists, so what were you, know, you doing? I mean, uh, well, I was one who wasn't. I, I didn't go to the yeah. to the journalist drinking right. things. Yeah. Um, you know, it's 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 like having a sticker, uh, <laughs> and it's very odd because it's bloody obvious when everyone's like, "Oh, you're coming out for uh, such and such tonight with all the journalists." It's yeah. like, "No, I'm going home to read a book." Right. You know, um, and and there's actually one time where during that phase, I bumped into uh, my uh, one of the group managing directors in a local pub. And he said, come and have a glass of wine with me. He wasn't aware of what had been put in place by HR. Um, and we had a we had a glass of wine. And uh, the next day I had to go to HR and say, I bumped into such and such, we had a glass of wine. And they were angry with me. And it's like, for the yeah. love of God, I didn't do this just to annoy you. You know, yeah, <laughs> what, right. what am I supposed to do? So I think that, that they did what they thought was best. And it, it, it kind of helped, but it also kind of just thought, well, if we ignore it, it'll go away. Um, I think that the 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 other issues that kind of emanated, you know, the the, the stress, anxiety, and depression, they weren't easy to flag. I think is probably the easy way of putting it. Right. Rather than the that there is as much support, I didn't think there was the support out there. Yeah. And um, I think you you um, there's a a journalist called David Adams who writes for Nature who who's written a beautiful book on um, OCD uh, actually proper clinical OCD rather than the jokes about lining your plates up. Um, and he put it beautifully, which was, he, he said, don't judge your insides by everyone else's outsides. You know, you judge, you think everyone else is walking around completely fine and, and, and everyone else in the agency is amazing um, because no one else ever puts their hand up and says, I'm having a really bad day and I can't cope with this, I'm going to go and work from home or I just need I just need some downtime. And I think because of that, it's not... It's not conducive to saying I need help or I I, I feel copeless. Um, so it, I don't think the support was out there. It certainly wasn't evident until things really hit rock bottom and it was kind of do yeah. or die. Really, was was it a was there a, a lack of understanding? And do you feel that's changed? I think the there were a couple of people who really really understood and were fantastic. When I look back at everyone who was probably heavily involved in the two or three years leading up to it. So, you know, a couple of agencies before uh, 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 the one where I was at when I, I, I saved up. There were a, a few people who really understood it and were okay. Um, uh, and I'm always very grateful for them. However, there were others who were in positions of authority and positions of influence in terms of HR who didn't. 
Um, and that, at the time, just didn't make it easy to say, I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not getting through today okay. You know, I, I'm, it almost felt that they were trying to pull a resignation out of me rather than kind of go, how can we help? Yeah, it was how can, we, how can we push you out the door yeah. without getting into legal trouble? Get rid of the problem rather than deal with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It was a kind of, um, I remember at one point sitting across, and this was, you know, a, a, a place I ended up kind of leaving from because I wanted to say I'm finding it difficult and um, I'm drinking to get myself to sleep. Yeah. And it, and I could see as I, that's what I wanted to say, but it came out as I'm finding it difficult and the person I set opposite, who was a board member, said, do you think it's time you should leave? And it's like, that's not what you say, yeah. <laughs> you know. And, and so, you know, I mean, we're going back, what, eight, nine years now. Okay. So well, actually probably longer, probably 10. Um, so that, I think, is symptomatic of where the agency life was or certainly my experience of it. I think it has got better. I think that, that the... There's a lot of work, you know, you mentioned that it, 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 it's high on the national agenda now. There's a lot of people talking about it and there is a gradual destigmatization of it. And I, I would like to think um, that agency life in general has, has indeed got, got better. Um, I'm not going to, you know, do the big sell on, on where I work, but we are very open with it. Um, it's, it's something that, that, that a lot of people, if they have an issue, they will talk to either their, you know, their line manager or, or whoever. Um, and I, I, and that's something that makes me proud to work where I am. Um, but I don't know whether that's the same in every single agency. Yeah. So the research from the PRCA, um, 37% of employees said they would not feel very comfortable discussing their mental health with their line managers. Mm. How, how, do you, how do we change that? I think, I think part of it is, is to try and explain the role of a line manager isn't just a kind of how do I get you to your KPIs? How do I grow your career? How do I grow you as a person? Who do you, who do you want to be, and how do I help you make yourself that person? Um, I think quite often line managers are just seen as all right. What do you want to do to get promoted? Here are your KPIs. Tick tick tick. And so as such, they're not seen as someone you empathise with or someone that you would go to with a problem. They're seen, it's someone that you would go to with a giant, uh, a giant, a client challenge um, rather than a personal challenge. So having some, some training uh, at the kind of um, mid-senior to senior to, you know, wherever a line manager w- might start their career, be it AM or AD uh, and, and above, that makes them aware that they need to be a, a personal growth person rather than just you know professional um and also just making sure that everyone within the company knows that they can go to someone and if if they don't feel they can go to their line manager then is it is it a buddy is it is it someone else is it can they go to their buddy and say look i'm finding really difficult i'd really like if you could have a word with such and such um to get them to you know ask me in for a meeting or something or some way around Avoiding having to knock on someone's door and go, can I tell you I'm unwell? Because I think that 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 people just aren't that strident, um, and people are nervous of how it's going to be perceived. So, the 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 line manager training will will help, and I think just constant reinforcement that it's it's okay to to have mental health problems. It's not, you know, it's not self inflicted. It's not the kind of thing that you you do on purpose. It's the same thing as falling over and twisting your ankle. Uh, without being glib, um, but you know, you, you can see physical problems, 
so people accept them. You can't see those there in your head. Mm. Specific training is required, right? I think so, yeah. I, I think that it's not something that you can assume people will learn as a skill. Um, there is a way to handle someone that has uh, um, a mental health problem and is suffering from mental health because they need to be spoken with and, 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 and supported in a specific way. So I think that there there is specific training that's needed. Um, and perhaps there's also uh, some training needed in, in how to spot the signs and and uh, what what to keep an eye out for. And they're softer skills rather than hard skills, which makes them slightly harder to, to, to train to a certain extent. Um, but that doesn't mean it's an inaddressable topic. I don't think. Yeah. Interesting. About half of the respondents said the industry was not very accepting of people um, suffering from 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 mental ill health. Ninety um, percent of employers said their organisation did not have a formal mm. mental health policy. I mean, how how worrying is that? Yeah, that's a worrying statistic. I think um, if 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 the employers are saying that, you know, that, um, it, it's. I think it's it's still a, a topic that people are. Worried. I think the problem is that a lot of people try and tackle mental health from a policy perspective, from a legal approach. You know, what can we do that can illegally covers our assets? Compliance. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to, what's the best route to keep people safe? What's the best way to keep people healthy, and then worry about compliance? That that it's it's a kind of, um, it's a cover your ass approach first, and that 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 that's not the right approach at all because. That's probably why people feel they can't talk about it because they feel that it will be, you know, the the fifty percent who think that the uh, the industry isn't conducive to people who have or, or isn't welcoming, whatever. It's, it, I think it's because because of the high pressure, because of the environment, because you need to be creative, because you need to get things done really, really quick. It's it's seen that oh, you've got a problem with stress. Well, you can't work in a stressful environment, as opposed to, you know, if 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 you have, if you work in a creative industry, you you almost intrinsically have a brain that's slightly prone to flying off on tangents. It's why we're creative; we think in slightly creative ways. The problem is when that goes slightly awry, the creative way can be slightly uh, askance, and that's when you go flying off in the wrong direction. You and you put one and one together and get get four. So, it's it's um it's an industry that that encourages people who think slightly differently, and so. It, Perhaps if more than anything else, more than banking, you know, it needs to be better at understanding how the creative brain works. Right. Well, people are the assets as well. Right? Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. So, so long hours, deadlines, this kind of pressured environment, creative mindsets. It's easy to see, perhaps, why um, mental health issues, you know, might be more prominent in the PR industry, but. Let's talk about another factor. Uh, what role do you think the drinking culture plays uh, in all of this? And, mm. you know, I don't want to um, sound self-righteous here or <laughs> anything like that, but this is a not only a country that revolves around yeah. alcohol, but as you pointed out earlier, it's an industry that, that uh, is lubricated alcohol yes. you know every every event is, is powered by alcohol and, and, and many engagements and interactions and rewards and incentives yeah. and behavior are, are, are 
alcohol fueled in yeah. a way. I, th- I, th- I think um, you'd probably be hard pushed to find a PR agency that doesn't have a kind of Friday Five uh, drinks trolley. Yeah, no, it's it's a big it, perk. I yeah, mean, they, exactly, they, they, and, yeah. And, and it's seen, I think, as for um, you know, I grew up in uh, a lovely little village out in Buckinghamshire, and yes, a lot of my friends are still out there and they work nearby and they have lovely jobs and I'm sure they sleep better than me um, and they might work in a you know they might work in a bank and there's nothing wrong with working in a bank for anyone listening it's fine it's just an example but they don't have a drinks trolley at five o'clock so work in a bank um, and so when I say oh yeah we have a drinks trolley that comes out and there's there's just booze all, all over the place there's there's Prosecco and there's beer and uh, you know and there's sometimes some you know some vodka or something and some coke and Coca-Cola. Uh, <laughs> you, know, that, yeah. um, uh, you weren't around no, in, the no, 80, in the 80s, were you? No, no. no <laughs> God forbid. Um, the, um, so the, to them, it's, it's anathema. They say, what, what, you drink in the office? You yeah. say, well, yeah, people do it on a Friday. Or, or, or the idea of the long lunch. Uh, I mean, I think the long lunch is kind of not as prevalent as it used to be. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when I first started going out, and about my th- third week... Uh, when I was a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed AE, um, and we went out for a three-hour client lunch, uh, and I went, "Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to the office and finish some stuff off." My director at the time gave me forty quid cash. I went, "Don't go back to the office. Go and drink some more. Go and, you know, go, go and get yourself something. You know, go and if you go back, I have to go back. Yeah. Um, I'm going home, or you know, I'm going to go meet my mates and go cycling. Um, half cut. It was a." You went out for a long lunch with your clients. You didn't go back to the office. Um, that culture, I think, has predominantly gone away. But 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 the the booze entity is is it, it's you know it's it's everywhere. It, um, I'm in PR, and I I, th- I think it's I'm not I'm not going to come across as some kind of puritan. I don't mind if people drink, uh, and you know uh, my um, I, we go out for dinner with friends and stuff, and and we'll go and have glasses of wine. I, I it's just I don't drink in the same way that. If we all go and get a chocolate bar uh, and my friends will have a Snickers and I've got a peanut allergy, I'm not going to have the Snickers. Yeah. Um, other chocolate bars are available or whatever. Um, so it, it's, it, I don't mind other people drinking, um, but uh, but when you're in the agency's life, you the drinks trolley comes out and you have to go and get your own Coca-Cola yeah. because no one has a soft drink option. Right. Or you go to these events and yeah. you have to ask for an orange juice right. or and a sparkling it, water. You're kind of viewed as, as not participating Yes. In the spirit of the of the event. Yeah, yeah. There is a kind of, what, are you driving? And you go, yeah. well, no, but I won't tell you why I'm not drinking. It's just like, I, I, right. I don't drink. If I don't, you know, it, 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 it is a very um, booze-fueled um, uh, industry. Uh, and as you say, you know, the networking element, I think, is... Is very much part and parcel of that as well. The I want to take some journalists out and get them drunk. Yeah, no, we we have to accept the role of journalists in all this. You know, yes, this is, this is this is true. Um, how how hard is it if uh, for people that that don't drink and don't want to drink to to get a, get by, get along, get ahead? I think uh, I can only really talk from my experience, and because I've always been very open about it. Um, I I find it easy-ish. You know, I I, I know um, that I can't drink. It's 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 simple. You know, um, if I if I relapse, I might die. And to me, 
that that's quite a Damoclesian sword to hang over one's head. Um, and no matter how good that glass of wine might be, you know, you know it, how good does it have to be to take that risk? Um, so for me, it's just clear cut, and I know I can't do that in the same way that you know people with peanut allergies can't have peanut um, uh, Snickers. So I've always been very open about it as well, and because I think I've got nothing to hide, I've done nothing wrong. So why should I have to apologise for it? Um, and I think that being open about it has helped me deal with it. It's it's helped me say no, I don't drink because um, well I, I used to be a raging soak. Um, and you really don't want to give me a glass of champagne, and almost turning it into a joke. Yeah. Um, but the 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 way that people react is is still something that um, uh, surprises me. You know, some people will be like, "Oh, nice one, congratulations! How long have you been sober?" And I swear, whatever years, uh, and they'll say, "Fantastic, my mum's been sober for ten years." That um, you know, the the amount of people that I've I've met, uh, or the amount of people who are one or two steps removed from alcoholism yeah. or addiction in some respect is unbelievable. It's something that, you know, before I admitted I um, uh, uh, I was an alcoholic and, uh, uh, and I had an addiction problem, I didn't know another addict. Yeah. When I came out, they were everywhere. You know, yeah. it's like everyone's got an uncle or a mother or a brother or something who says, oh, yeah, they, they've got a problem, but they're okay now or oh, they're still in the middle of it. Um, but But it's just something that, that the, um, people don't necessarily admit to. And still, yeah. when I mention it now, some people will either kind of recoil and kind of yeah. move their glass away so from me as if a, I'm... Yeah. A, they see it as an implicit judgment of, yeah. of them. Yeah, I mean, there was a, a, a friend of mine uh, um, who I used to work with who... Uh, there was someone we were working with and it was their birthday and I said, oh, they like whiskey. I'll go and get them a bottle of whiskey. And they said, are you going to be all right to do that? You know, I mean shouldn't shouldn't someone else as if i'm literally you know running having to run past every off license to avoid me running in and you know chucking it down my throat and it's like I, you know i don't live my life on that much of a knife edge um so attitudes still need to to change but i think the the um the industry does fuel the culture yeah i mean it's part of the diversity argument as well i yeah. think right because you know drinking is, is associated with certain cultures mm -hmm. and if we're serious about bringing people in from different cultures and religions then we've well, got to come yeah. up with a way of socializing that doesn't always involve yeah you know exactly getting exactly. yeah i mean it is it, it's such a kind of british thing i remember going on a press trip once um where it was we, we, we were taking journalists from about 14 countries over to berlin um and uh for a, like a two-day event and the night before everyone flew in and by about half past ten, every single journalist and every other PR was asleep, was in their beds. Yeah. There were four people up. The Brits. The two British journalists, the two British PRs. You know, me and, uh, uh, and a colleague and two PRs, uh, uh, two journalists who I won't mention, propping up the bar till about two. Yeah. And it was just, uh, and, the, and the next morning the it was... The night before. Yeah, you know, it was ridiculous. And it was such a cliche. And everyone yeah. kind of came down for breakfast the next morning going, oh... Yeah. See the British look shit. Yeah, great. You know, we're like, yeah, we're up till three. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. it it it's it is quite a British thing, but it, but but from a, a a kind of a religion and cultural perspective, yeah, it 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 can be intimidating. I think, especially if you're just starting out, you don't want to be the one to put your hand up and go. Oh, yeah, I hear it from from, um, you know, young Muslims in the industry all the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it for them, it's not a health thing. It's it's you know, it's it's so much more entrenched. You know what. 
yeah, I can't imagine what what their reaction must be like. It must be, you know, even more difficult. Yeah. So you you've been um, quite vocal uh, in mm-hmm. terms of of detailing the, the issues you've faced. You've you've written about them uh, on your blog. I think in on, on BuzzFeed as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I found it very helpful as as, as someone who's who's suffered from depression myself. What's the response been? Like, I tell you what, it was really eye-opening, and I think one of the reasons why I um, like to talk about it is because I think if I'd known sooner that it was okay to be unwell, um, I'd have asked for help sooner. Um, there was the the first piece I ever wrote, which was for uh, a charity um, uh, called called Calm, which is about um, uh, male suicide. It's 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 a great charity, um, and I wrote a piece for them about addiction. And about my battle with addiction and, and and getting sober and in a few in the in the article I wrote about ridiculous things like staying up till two o'clock in the morning to watch the ice hockey just for the sake of having some more yeah, wine. Yeah, I remember reading that. And and, and and I still don't know the rules of ice hockey. Right. Uh, and I must have watched hours and hours of it. And um, a friend of mine who um, I used to go to school with, I hadn't seen them since you know for probably fifteen years or so, got in touch and said I do that. I never you know I never realised that someone else did it. Um, and uh, of course, it, it just struck me as being unhealthy. So um, I just wanted to let her know that I went to see my GP today, uh, and uh, she went and got some help. And about um, two or three weeks later than that, she went into rehab herself, um, and has been sober ever since. And every every year on the day that um, uh, she got sober, she sends me a little note on Facebook and says thank you. And it's it's you know that's one person that. I was connected with who read it and was bold enough to come back and say thank you. I I read it. I empathised. I do that, and I thought it's okay. I'll be all right. Yeah. Um, that that it it I think it it really helps um, hearing that people listen and that people uh, empathise with it and and can chime with it to be able to go and put their hand in the air and say I'm I'm not dealing with this very well. And it's nice to know that doesn't make me a bad person. It just makes me someone who's unwell. Because um, that's that's the thing that's always going around in your head. You know, It's like being stuck in a room with a hundred televisions all tuned to a, a channel that hates you um, and, and telling you what a terrible person you are, reminding you of things you did. Um, that the ability to turn those TVs off it, uh, is, is just such a, a relaxing and contented thing to be able to do. Um, but you can only start to do that once you realise that it's not just you. Other people have had this issue. Other people have this issue. And they're working through it and they're getting better so you'll get better too. Mm. Um, it's not It's not just you. Yeah. I mean, do you still feel like... Obviously, it sounds like it's not the case at your agency now, but people, especially at the lower end uh, of, of the food chain within an agency, are, are, are treated as somewhat disposable assets. So... I always get the impression that people would, you know, they'd, they'd probably, as you mentioned, they'd probably just r- rather get rid of the problem, have someone resign, maybe let them go, rather than, than deal with, with whatever issues that mm. someone is suffering. How hard is it to make that, that shift to actually helping people, rather than people who are thinking, well, I'm, I'm going to help my company more by doing this? Yeah, it, it's a really good question. and I think it, it, it's It's difficult to... I think that the culture differences between each agency is is uh, it's it's on such a huge kind yeah. of grayscale that that 
in some agencies, um, and I say I'm lucky enough to work at one now where that's you know, certainly the case, and that's because everyone at a senior level is aware that, that they, we have a responsibility to, the, to make these people who they want to be. Um, and yeah, there'll be rocks along the way in terms of client issues, skills development, blah, 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 and, and personal development sits within that. I think at an early career level, it's never easy to say, I'm struggling. I think equally, you might be struggling because uh, you haven't been shown what to do or you haven't had something explained to you properly or um, your your workload is genuinely, you know, if you're reporting into four different line managers or, 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 or kind of account managers, you, you might, they not, might not be talking to each other. So there may be issues that are far easily or swifter to be resolved. But having the 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 balls to kind of just put your hand up and go, I shouldn't be here till ten o'clock every night, um, isn't easy. Uh, I I think the long hours culture uh, is is hopefully one that's getting better, uh, um, but but it's often one where you start to kind of ask around, and it, and and instead of looking at one individual and and their particular challenge, if if they're saying I you know it's a bit difficult and they're quite you know say they're an accounting exec, you start to map out a bit further. And it's it's often sometimes you'll find that there's probably someone higher up the food chain, yeah. you know, um, who actually is either not necessarily a bully, but isn't very good at bringing people on, isn't very good at explaining things, is 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 brusque, uh, and is actually impacting more people. Um, it's just it's just they don't report directly into them, and so mm. having someone at an agency who is able, or or having the the bravery as an agency to to take a step back. And look and kind of see. Well, actually, is these people aren't you know are unhappy or always staying late, and everything ladders up to this you know this account lead. So they need to be better at, at managing the workload or the client expectations or the delivery or the budget. Uh, there are there are there's always a cause. I think um, it's just how much time agencies spend in identifying that yeah. that cause. Um, if that the, answers the question. And, and I guess the issue also is that, you know, we celebrate agency cultures, especially when they're unique. Mm. Um, you know, the, the more unique, the better, right? Because that makes an agency more easily distinguishable from its rivals and it gives people a sense of belonging. And, you know, what are agencies really other than the, the sum of their culture? Absolutely. The problem is, of course, when dealing with something like this, it ensures that any attempts to address it are dependent on, in a way, the person in charge, right? So there's no systematic, standardised approach to it, I guess. If you're reliant on on an individual agency's culture, which is often flows from from whoever's in charge or whoever owns the business. Yeah, I, I guess, yeah, it's, 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 it's very true. I mean, I think, for one, for better analogy, you know, you, you look at football, you know, each individual club is often uh, similar to its 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 manager. Yeah. Um, Alex Ferguson's Man United, Wenger's Arsenal, Klopp's Liverpool. You know, whatever you want to kind of go with, that that the, they will have their own style in a similar way to agencies and their, their 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 bosses. What perhaps we don't necessarily take advantage of as well as footballers is is, is the equivalent of, of the you know the the professional footballers association where they that the, I think there needs to be more. Awareness that that outside of the agency that there are resources there, and I know you mentioned them before. That I don't think that that historically people realise there are uh, free um, helplines like NABS. 
um, that nearly every agency, especially if it's part of a network, will probably have a free helpline. Um, that there are training opportunities to go on, both internal and external. There are people to talk to if you, if you don't feel comfortable talking to your line manager, and hopefully that will change. But there are other places to go where you can um, get help that doesn't rely on you having to knock on the door of your MD, uh, um, your MD's office, and kind of say, um, help me out, as it were. Um, yeah. I think it's it's a... Uh, there needs to be more um, personal support, a, a kind of independent support where everyone feels they can confidentially, anonymously go for advice on how to take it further uh, or how to address it within their own agency. Um, because sometimes if you ask the wrong person in the agency, that just exacerbates the issue. Uh, and, and if you look around and you're a, you know, you're a big global agency or you're a small startup, it, you will often always look at the you might always look at the wrong person or in the wrong direction and go, everyone else is okay, it's just me, it's just me who can't cope. Yeah. Um, as opposed to picking up the phone to someone externally and they say, it's not just you, we get calls like this all the time, you'll be all right, we'll help you, it's okay. Yeah. And I think that's what's needed, the reassurance and the, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel and it's not a train kind of um, thing. Yeah. Worth noting that the PRCA, is, as part of the, the, its, its work here, is going to launch a mental health toolkit later in the year um, to act as a guide for the industry. Chris, thank you so much thank you. for your thank time. You. Thanks for being so open about this. Um, okay. for, if anyone feels like they need uh, more, uh, more, more guidance, we will be publishing um, some resources and some links uh, along with this podcast. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll be back with the Echo Chamber again next week. Uh, you can, of course, find us on iTunes, on, on various podcast feeds. Uh, you can contact us on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere. Um, we'll be back soon. Thank you very much. You've been listening to The Echo Chamber. Brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by Marketeers. Sponsored by March Communications, connecting innovation and people.